On this episode of Reliterated, we prepare to embark on a sci-fi journey to worlds unknown, facilitated by three cosmic vagrants. Meg Murray is a girl who feels like a disappointing, unremarkable misfit, especially in comparison to her accomplished father, brilliant and gorgeous mother, and freakishly genius five-year-old brother. But isn't it more normal than we realize to feel like a weirdo? Who eats liverwurst and cream cheese sandwiches anyway? And why do we complain about supposedly unimportant filler in books, but spend so much time in our podcast fixated on the food our characters eat? All this and more as we discuss A Wrinkle in Time on Reliterated, the podcast that knows exactly how to use a tesseract. Welcome to Reliterated, the lowbrow book club of three grown-ass men reading the children's books popular in the 1990s, but with 2020s hindsight. Fair warning, we use language too mature for kids, analysis too immature for literary scholars, and ignorance too profound to be inoffensive to everyone. You can interact with us and enjoy all kinds of bonus content by searching Reliterated on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, and Facebook. Or you can ask us questions, suggest future episodes, or tell us what we've missed by sending us an email at reliterated at gmail.com. We would absolutely love the chance to read it on the show. My name's Andy, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts... Harold. And Josh. Welcome, guys. Chapter three. Let's go. Ah, yes. I'm excited for chapter three. I really enjoy sci-fi, so this is going to be a chapter I will really, really enjoy. Yeah, I'm a big fan of sci-fi in general, too. I mean, I I would say that I would encompass superheroes, uh, obviously, like, space stuff. Time travel, all that stuff kind of falls into sci-fi. Indeed. We have a, uh, a bunch of interesting sci-fi books picked out for this chapter, and uh, we're going to be reading them and discussing them as we do. And yeah, it's going to be a good time. And we're going to have no sensitive topics whatsoever, right? Nope. There shouldn't be any wrinkles. Oh, so you're ageist now, are you? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, that's what it is. <laughs> I was actually referring to the first book that we're going to be starting with here called A Wrinkle in Time. Yep, A Wrinkle in Time, written by Madeline Langle and published in 1962. Did anybody do any research on the on the author at all? I did a little bit of research on the author, mostly from like the... Uh, the afterword of the audiobook and uh, looked up a little bit of the wiki. Yeah, I got the, uh, I figured I had some stuff from the afterword of the audiobook. I was actually one of the first afterwords I've listened to, or audiobooks, I should say. <laughs> I listened, I've listened to, and uh, it was her granddaughter that did the afterword, and she actually talks about how. Madeline Lingle grew up, was it like in the 1920s she was born? Uh, something like that. I can yep. do a quick check on that. Uh, born 1918. But yeah, I grew up in the in the 20s. Her uh, father fought in World War One. Uh, got some uh, significant lung damage from uh, from all the gas flying around in that war. And so the the whole family moved to the to French Alps for a time because the the air was thought to be uh, beneficial to uh, folks with lung damage. Kind of like people with tuberculosis moving to Arizona for the dry air. <laughs> from what I read, it seemed like she had quite a Almost an affluent life. She went to a lot of like a lot of boarding schools, 
and their family moved around a lot and it seemed like she was being brought up in a in a certain way like to be part of a of the richer society rather than the everyday go to school um things like that like like our other authors seem to have <clears throat> seem to have not normal childhood but seems like she came from like they had money so they were able to do all these things well and money went further back then too i mean they had to have had money because obviously you know there was the crash the stock market crash and the depression and everything that she lived through but I think that travel was a a little bit seems a little bit easier back then because I mean even when we listen to uh, about any of these authors that are older like this it seems like they have pretty traveled lives they've gone around the world and seen things that we could only dream to see now she uh, was pretty much a writer for uh, for um, pretty much all her life uh, she wrote her first story at age five began keeping a journal at age eight. And uh, grew up kind of a, a a bookish, reserved kind of a young young woman, and just writing like all the time. Always knew that she wanted to be a writer. That's pretty cool to know what you want to do early and not have to battle with it throughout your life. Be you know almost forty and going to school to do something that people usually do when they're twenty. What is it with teachers in the fifties? Apparently, if you were quiet. And kind of kept to yourself or were shy. You were always brand. You were branded as stupid. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, they were. Communists. I mean, everybody. They were communists in the fifties. <laughs> mm, yeah, we won't. We won't get into that discussion. Right. Uh, but uh, <laughs> um, what are you saying, Josh? What that I'm a You're leftist. Gonna... <laughs> yeah, I'm a leftist. Who 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 do you work for? Are you a card carrying member of the Communist Party? I work for a social services company. It's wonderful. I mean, I'm not a registered <laughs> member, but I believe in a lot of the things that they also believe in. So I'm okay with that. No system is perfect, just, but no system is perfect. You just wait till Senator McCarthy gets a hold of you. Yeah. <laughs> Madeline Lingle, when she wrote this book, uh, she had some trouble getting it out there. And it was mainly because the publishers were afraid that kids wouldn't be able to read this book or they would have trouble with this book because it was just so far beyond a child's understanding. Mm-hmm. It was very hard to classify. Yes. And later, she ended up having problems with uh, people that were non-religious, said that it relied too much on religion and gave kids this religious view that they didn't necessarily want people to have. (laughs) And people that were religious said that it was against religion and uh, she... The things that they did in the book were sacrilegious and heresy, you know. So, as with anything, it seems like the two opposing sides have the same problem but don't know how to talk to each other <laughs> it's either too religious or not religious enough yep or not like exclusively religious like yeah it mentions jesus in it but it does it also mentions witches and right. crystal balls and all this magic nonsense I love her quote that uh, she gave to the New York Times. She said, it seems people are willing to damn the book without reading it. Nonsense about witchcraft and fantasy. First, I felt horror, then anger. And finally, I said, ah, the hell with it. It's great publicity, really. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, it's funny. I mean, we'll get to it, but she actually doesn't mention Jesus almost in the same religious sense. She mentions it as 
you know, it being something that happened uh, in the in the mythos of the book, yep. but it wasn't as just one pe- influential person right. in a line of influential people throughout history. Right, right. It wasn't what people think it is. And her faith, it seemed, was a little bit different than a lot of other faiths because her, from what I read, her beliefs were that uh, this love, this loving God that exists, supposedly exists, has. She she didn't think that this God would damn everybody, like especially someone that has never heard of them. So she just believed that everybody had a chance to be, quote unquote, saved just because this creator would not doom his creations to something like hell. Right. For the reasons that for the reasons that are often stated, like, oh, you don't believe in it. Ah, she was a very liberal Christian. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And she got a lot of flack from the conservative Christian side, which, <laughs> not surprising, the conservative Christians are all about giving people flack. Par for the course. So that is Madeline Lingle. And uh, I actually, the audiobook I listened to, the version that I listened to was read by Madeline Lingle. Oh, really? Yeah. Re- yep. There's a there's an audiobook out there read by the author? Read by the author, yep. She actually has in her foreword, she talks about the book. And uh, how when she was writing it, she the publishers told her no one kids wouldn't understand this. They wouldn't like it. They wouldn't get it. But every time she wrote a chapter, she would read it to her kids before they went to bed at night. And every night they would be clamoring for the next chapter of the book. So she knew that kids would like it, or at least her kids. And I, I mean, the book features the heroes of this story, our children. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, kids spend their lives at the behest of adults. They have to listen. They have to do what they're told. They have to follow these rules without fully understanding them because they're just like, these are the rules. You don't necessarily understand those rules until you get older. Sometimes not even until you have kids do you understand why certain rules were put in place. And and not everybody does, and I'm sure people get the rules if they don't have kids. But I'm just saying, like, some some of the rules don't make sense early on. And these kids are, are thrust into a situation where they are the only thing that can save the planet of Earth. Um, not necessarily universe, just planet of Earth, at least at this point, because there is a darkness out there, and we'll get to that and everything, but there's a darkness out there, and it has taken some planets, and it hasn't taken others. You know, and I would like to note that uh, a wrinkle in time did win the Newbery Medal in 1963. Ah, yes. So we're reading another medal winner, you guys. Nice, man. We gotta slow down so that we can have a Newbery Award chapter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's plenty of plenty of books out there, right? All we need is uh, well, four really. I mean, it seems like the second book in the. Uh, in any chapter, we're going to devote to like a Goosebumps or Babysitter's Club. Right. Not to tip our hand too much. Nope. Now, yeah. is there Some a type new- of series. Is there a Choose Your Own Adventure that won a Newbery medal? <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting to hear from the from the committee about our uh, our episode on the un- the unicorn one. I think that's Newbery medal worthy. I think so. If not, at least like I don't know an Oscar or something. Yeah, there's a there's an award out there for audiobooks. Uh, oh. the Audis, I think. Okay, <laughs> could put that up for an Audi. I would like to say that uh, right before was it right before Magic of the Unicorn or shortly after Magic of the Unicorn released, we actually hit 400 downloads of our podcast Woo! overall. 
we're currently sitting at 431 and uh we absolutely love you guys thank you so much for listening to us week after week and we will continue to try and get better and i will say that um we are still going to speak and think as much as we can before we talk but i promise you we will not think of everything so (laughs) understand anything we're saying is always coming from the best place (laughs) if it rather not it's correct or what? <laughs> <laughs> and we haven't really heard anything about any, any complaints about uh, where, like, our intentions or what, what we're actually saying. No. Nope. You know, we, have, we haven't caught any flack yet. But, uh, yeah, it, we, we are still open to, to hearing feedback on, uh, on what you do think. So definitely let us know. Our email is reliterated at gmail.com. Flack is as welcome as undying love. <laughs> I believe that's spelled F-L-A-K, right? Yes. Flack, 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 flack. Flack, flack. A wrinkle and flack. A wrinkle and flack. Anything more to say about the book as a whole before we uh, we jump into the uh, the story? It is the first book in a, in a series, a five-book series. I don't really have anything else for... Uh, I think it's, I'm ready to get going. Yeah, I, I want to get into it because this book has oh, very, it's very wordy. It is very wordy. Very wordy. It has a lot of it, filler oh in it. Gosh. I'm not going to say filler. <laughs> I'm just saying it's very wordy. It's very Tolkien-esque in yes. the fact that there's a lot of descriptions and things like that that may or may not actually play into the actual storyline. Right. Okay. Here's what I have to say about that. When you go to, when you go to a museum, you see a, a painting on the wall. Do you like? Do you appreciate like only the uh, the works that are like outline drawings that you just have a general sense of what's there, or do you get wowed by the the detail and the uh, the strokes, so the many colors that are that are used uh, thrown on thrown onto the. Uh, the art. I mean, these are words purposely written to evoke an imagery, to evoke a mental picture of what you've got. And I don't think it was that uneconomical uh, in this book. I think uh, Melon did a pretty good job in uh, displaying some of the, the wonder of her uh, her world that she created. I'm not saying that. I, I enjoyed a lot of the world that was brought to us. We will get to one of my favorite planets in this. There's a two-dimensional planet. I think that is an awesome description of a place that we would never consciously think of to go, but she took us to this place where it's only two dimensions. I That is awesome. But at the exact same time, if she didn't tell us about it, it wouldn't have affected the story in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> See, Josh, she's like, it should have started, it was a dark and stormy night, and... They saved everyone. That they found their father. <laughs> they found their no, father. That is they not, that's everyone. what you guys are trying to put into words into my mouth. That's not what I'm saying. There are a lot of great books out there that are not like that are more to the point than than this one. And maybe that's just because I'm not a huge fan of fantasy in that way. I guess it's just how I feel about it. Right. So. No, I can agree to some extent with both of those perspectives. Uh, I agree that I'm wowed by the use of language and how she paints pictures with the words. And I enjoyed that greatly. Uh, But at the same time, I'm with Josh on certain parts of this. uh, When they when they'll get into like 
arguments or or disagreements amongst themselves and and go back and forth and we'll we'll get through to some I can't remember right, any right off the top of my head but it's just funny how they keep on like beating a dead horse in certain points. I will concede that the dog is completely disposable. The dog is con- disposable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Even though I really like his name. Yes. It was very interesting. Yeah, Fortinbra. Fortinbra. Yep. Yeah. A a Shakespeare reference, a Hamlet reference. It it was a dark and stormy night though. And that is the literal beginning of the book. It is. Uh, and we're introduced to our protagonist, one of our protagonists, m- pretty much the main one. Uh, Mar- I would say the main protagonist. The main, the main one, yeah. Uh, it's Margaret Murray. And she is in her attic bedroom watching wraith-like shadows race along the ground. There's a pretty terrible storm going on outside. It's shaking the house. And she's... She's not someone that normally gets afraid of the weather, but right now she is, but it's it's everything going on in her life. She is having a lot of trouble at school. She's actually been put in what would, I think, be a remedial class, but she is actually a smart person, and her, her parents are both scientists. She has twin brothers, Sandy and Denny, and she has a younger brother named Charles Wallace, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Charles yes, Charles Wallace. Charles Wallace yep. Murray. Yep. That is a very formal name for a five-year-old child. And they never call him anything but Charles Wallace. I'm, <laughs> right. Sometimes it's Charles. Sometimes it's Charles, yes. But it's almost always Charles Wallace, yep. the five-year-old genius child. That kind of reminds me of uh, when my brother was in preschool. It was, I believe, the first day and he was being, he was meeting all the teachers and things like that. And the principal went up and introduced himself and he was like, hey, Dave, my name's so-and-so. He's like, I prefer to be called David. And so he's always been David for my entire life. I've never heard of him called Dave, except for like a few people in college maybe, but most people just call them trips. So (laughs) I was just like, oh, that's very formal. Just like this happened to my brother. So I... It's just maybe he's a peculiar child and he prefers to be known as his formal name. Sir, I prefer to be called David. Or, it's literally... Or Trip. <laughs> oh, he didn't think of Trip till later. But, yeah. Call me Slanted Buttonbrow, please. Shazam! So it's Meg and her twin brothers, Sandy and Dennis. And Charles Wallace. And their mother. What was their mother's name? Mrs. Murray. Uh, <laughs> Mrs. Yeah, Mrs. <laughs> Their mother's name is Mrs. Her mother's name is Mrs. But Miss, Mr. Murray is not there right now. He is gone and his family doesn't know where. And he's been gone for some time. I don't know if they actually say how long he's been gone. Well, it's been probably about five years. Uh, like he doesn't really know Charles Wallace. He yep. was around to make him, to help make him. Yep. Uh, but uh, left uh, got went missing when uh, he was just a baby, and he uh, supposedly was was working for the government. Very top secret work. And they, mom seems to be sure, like, hey, he's coming back. It's everybody relax, and she puts on a strong face all the time. Sandy and Dennis have kind of moved on. I'm sure they're upset in their own way, but they're you know they're cool with the way things are. Um, Charles Wallace seems to, he doesn't really act sure that his dad is coming back, but he acts sure that something is okay, that it's okay, that things are okay. Meg is torn up about it. She, this has affected her schoolwork. It's affected her relationships with people. 
uh, one of the first things that we find out about is her uh, coming home uh, after this this night goes by and uh, her and Charles have a sandwich in the middle of the night. Oh, this was actually interesting. Yeah. Is this where they they have their nighttime food? Yeah, she's a. Uh... She she doesn't like being up in the in her attic bedroom uh, during this this hurricane, <laughs> yep. apparently. And she goes down to get some some cocoa or something. That's and right. Finds finds Charles Wallace already in the kitchen making cocoa. A five year old <laughs> working the uh, the stove and cutting up tomatoes or make sandwiches, whatever. Yeah, he makes a different sandwich for each of them. He makes a liverwurst sandwich for mom, a tomato sandwich for Meg. He's got jelly toast. He's making the cocoa, and he even tells Meg to, you know, keep her eye on the milk so that it doesn't get a skin on top because she doesn't like it when it gets the skin on top. And uh, yeah, this kind of introduces you to this this kid, this little five year old that is way beyond his years. And she mentions how some kid had uh, called him her dumb baby brother. And she got into a fist fight with him. He puts on this kind of, uh, he doesn't let on that he's a brilliant child. So he'll like go unnoticed or something. Right. With uh, with the other kids. And he's kind of worried about starting school in the next year because he doesn't want people to find out how brilliant he is or something. He'd like rather be, be known as a... Uh, as a moron, I think it puts it. Yeah, or at least to be left alone in a certain way. Yeah, to be left alone. That was what he made his mom, a liverwurst and cream cheese sandwich. So I think we should do a video where we all make a liverwurst and cream cheese sandwich and eat it. Yeah, have fun with that. Nope. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> also, cream cheese. I can't have cream cheese. How many Why times? Why is that, Josh? Because I'm Why intolerant. I'm intolerant. I don't think we've covered that. <laughs> we do not tolerate intolerance, Josh. Just of lactose. Get out. <laughs> so we get to this point where they're all sitting around the house and they're talking about she's describing the room. And she says the curtains red with a blue and green geometrical pattern were drawn and seemed to reflect their cheerfulness throughout the room. The furnace purred like a great sleepy animal. The lights glowed with steady radiance. Outside, alone in the dark, the wind still battered against the house, but the angry power that had frightened Meg while she was alone in the attic was subdued by the familiar comfort of the kitchen. I mean, that's that's a good good couple sentences there that really... I don't know, brings you in. Oh, I, I fully agree with that. But as you said before, there's a lot of things that are in this book that don't need to be there. Yes, that is setting the tone of the room. That is setting the setting. But we will get farther into the book. And yeah, as you said, there are arguments that happen that are just, they just go away. Or something happens and you think it's going to be intricate to the book. And then it doesn't have anything to do with the book. It's like... Okay, so are you just leading me one way just to turn on me? Or are you, I want to be there for the whole ride, you know? And sometimes, a lot of times, I'm not looking at the strokes, the paint strokes. I want to see the big picture. I want to see this amazing big piece of art. I don't want to, I don't want to get one of those, get into one of those paintings where, yes, it's very intricate that they've used dots to make this entire painting, but I don't care about the dots. I care about what the dots make. I guess is the best way of putting it. And the artist that did that was uh, Boy George. (laughs) 
Yep. No need to fact check that. Nope. <laughs> Just take my word for it. I'm going to bing it. <laughs> so now I need now to, you want to know. I know who it is. Now I want to remember who that artist was that made the dot photo, the dot painting. It was Charles Wallace. <laughs> was it Van Gogh? La Grande Jatte. Or uh, A Sunday Afternoon on the Island of La Grande Jatte by Georges Surratt. Surratt. That is the painting I'm thinking Surratt. of. Surratt. Okay. Yep. That makes Pointillism sense. is the uh, the style of of painting that you're describing. Yes, that was that's I guess the best way for me to how I how I read and enjoy thing enjoy books as well as artwork. So skimming. Oh yeah, I'm big, I'm big on that. <laughs> so without each of those points being there, it's not going to make much of a picture. But it's just it's a good thing that they're all there, so you can look at the thing as a whole and see what it is. Yeah, because without those dots, it wouldn't be anything. If except leave for the like, other two hosts, leave the other two abstract. hosts to talk about the details. <laughs> <laughs> if Josh got invited to uh, invited to a, an art gallery, a swanky art gallery, he'd be standing in the crowd. They'd be like, see the strokes and this and that. And Josh would be like, that's a real nice picture. <laughs> we all know that I would be in the corner giggling at a meme on my phone. We all know I would be there. That's what I would be doing. I just came here for the free cocktails. <laughs> Not even that, because I don't drink. Where, where are the paintings of the naked ladies? <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Where are your finest paintings of naked ladies? <laughs> Nudes, please. What the heck's going on? None of these paintings are on black velvet. What's going on here? Yeah. Where's the black light? What kind of fine art is this? Uh, oh, these uh, paintings are so unrealistic. Sir, this is the surrealism wing. I don't see a single dragon fighting an airplane. <laughs> the graphics are terrible. No, he doesn't like high fantasy. So, no, there true. Goes. so Meg, uh, she continues to go on to like completely put herself down as being just super plain She's not the prettiest girl in school, and that really bothers her. And now she is seen as one of the dumbest kids in school because she's in this remedial class. And on top of that, she's willing to run out and fight with the boys, which, you know, especially at the time when this book was written, that would have been really off-putting for her to be that way. And her mom is basically telling her, you know, you need to learn moderation. You have to figure out how to how to not go to the extremes all the time, you know, extreme depression, extreme happiness or uh, anger right away whenever something little happens and that anger explodes immediately into a physical altercation as opposed to being just like, hey, I'm mad about this. So the the kid that she punched uh, or took down, she beat him up and the mom had called uh, Meg's mother to tell her, oh, you know, your daughter did this and that. And Meg's Mrs. Murray was like, well, you know, he is a year older than her and 25 pounds heavier. So I think that <laughs> what's his excuse, yeah, what's his excuse <laughs> you know, <laughs> but she is always getting blamed for everything or she feels like everything becomes her fault no matter what it is that she does. And, you know, she says even right here, I hate being an oddball. And and I mean, I get that. I think a lot of kids get that. I think even kids that aren't oddballs at times think they're oddballs. Um, right. This is a very relatable character. Right. And, and I mean, even when you look around, I mean, 
I always remember when I was younger being like, oh, I'm so weird. I'm the weird one, blah, blah, blah. But then especially <laughs> as Facebook has come out and all this, this stuff. Yeah, there's some people that are complete like two dimensional flat characters that are just like, I work out all the time and I'm cool. You know what I mean? But then there are everyone else and almost everyone else, I think, sits in their own little home inside their head where they're like, I'm a fucking weirdo, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> What's wrong with me? I think that's a normal state of mind for a lot of people. Right. I do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, she's she's really uh, relatable in that. And I mean, she even puts herself down. She's saying like, oh, I wish I were pretty like you, mom. I'm so repulsive. And Charles Wallace is like, yeah, but mom's beautiful. Come on. Like <laughs> then she says, oh, uh, mother's not a bit pretty. She's beautiful. Charles Wallace announced slicing liverwurst. Therefore, I bet she was awful at your age. So, you know, he's saying, you know, yeah, mom's pretty now. But when she was your age, she was probably ugly. You know, the old ugly duckling adage. (laughs) And she probably grew into her looks like you will, Meg. Yep. Yep. And we find out that uh, Charles Wallace met somebody named Mrs. What's It when she was she he was chasing Fortinbras, I think. And uh, the dog. Yep. And he went to this old house that's the haunted house of town. Everybody thinks of it as a haunted house. And there was a lady living there named Mrs. What's it? And he said, you know, he's like, that's her name. And she lives there with Mrs. Who. And what was the other one? Mrs. Mrs. Witch. Mrs. Witch. Yep. And witch as in W-H-I-C-H. Right. Who just so happens to, <laughs> it turns out, wear like a black conical hat and have a huge hooked nose. and <laughs> Right. She, she does <laughs> do magic. Like yeah, a witch. She's, yeah, yeah. She's a witch. Yeah. yeah. They all do magic. But yeah. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. not even like magic necessarily. It's, you know, I think of it as yeah. like how they describe magic in the in the MCU. It's not actually magic. It's right power of the universe in certain ways right cosmic powers yeah cosmic power yeah we'll get into the the mrs w's yep just in just a bit by the way their mom's name is dr catherine murray catherine okay catherine or kate murray and since we know her name we will from here on out refer to as mrs yep (laughs) (laughs) this house that they live in must be fucking cool man it's as Clearly a big house, and even mom has a laboratory that is attached to the house. You know, I imagine it's one of the rooms of the house, but how cool would that be? To have? I wish I had a laboratory. I'd make all kinds of cool experiments. It's an old house, and the lab was built into an old, like, uh, I want to say, not a barn, but I'm trying to find it. The old stone dairy. Okay. Right off the kitchen. So they built a laboratory into an old stone uh, dairy like addition to a uh, to this this old house that has stood for a long long time almost 200 years i used to live in a house where there was a garage and then there were a couple other little buildings off of it i imagine that it was a farm at one time but uh yeah one of the buildings that i was able to get into uh was my little laboratory where i would science i don't really know that i was doing <laughs> anything important it was usually just mixing different stuff together and seeing if it burned because <laughs> I was uh, not always being watched <laughs> so and no one ever got hurt the lesson is no one gets hurt <laughs> the laboratory of the unsupervised yep <laughs> so the dog starts growling at something that's outside of the lab but what could it be hmm 
I am not positive. I mean that. I'm not positive. I'm O negative. Yeah. <laughs> so this is where mom and Meg meet uh, Mrs. What's It. And she comes in looking like you expect, wearing all kinds of crazy clothes. They couldn't tell her age or her sex other than the name, I'm guessing. And uh, she had a bunch of scarves of assorted colors, a felt hat, a pink stole, a rough overcoat, black rubber boots covered her feet. And I like how her voice is uh, described as sounding like an unoiled gate, but wasn't unpleasant. Probably like you would imagine that like any old crone archetype to be. And yet somehow, yeah. Hello, my pretties. <laughs> yeah, that's somehow not not unpleasant. <laughs> well, as we've as we've heard, uh, Harold's voice is quite pleasant. From what the, the small <laughs> amount of feedback soothing. we've gotten back, so. soothing, the, <laughs> soothing, yes. a soothing unoiled gate. <laughs> <laughs> so Mrs. What's it? And all these the W ladies are wild. They just start saying things and making statements that seem to come out of left field. She even hears, she says, uh, it isn't so much that I lost my way, I got blown off course. So, I mean, it's like she was walking through a hurricane, clearly, in rubber boots. <laughs> <laughs> or riding a broomstick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but she decided to stop here for a bit, and she wants to get her boots off because they're full of water. Well, I liked how she found the place. She found it by smell. Oh, yep. She smelled Charles Wallace, wasn't it? Yes. <clears throat> and then at this point, she untied a blue and green paisley scarf, a red and yellow flowered print, a gold liberty print, a black and a red and black bandana. So she's just, she's bundled up. Yeah. For some reason. Other than, I mean, it is a hurricane, so. She asks for, uh, for some Russian caviar. They offer her a sandwich. She says, oh, I'm passionately fond of Russian caviar, and Charles gets upset with this because that's for mother's birthday. They've been saving it. And uh, he offers her a tuna fish salad instead. And she she takes it. She's like, okay. But like they're they're all just like jumping up. This is a weird part to me because it isn't just Charles Wallace that's ready to jump up and make her a sandwich. Meg's like, I'll make the sandwich. I got you. You're stopping by in the middle of the night during a hurricane. Um, you know, we're all eating these weird sandwiches. None of us eating the same thing, by the way. And uh, yeah, no, uh, totally make you a tuna fish sandwich. Well, she is a kindly old lady lost in the, the storm. Gotta be hospitable. Well, Meg does actually think at this moment, she's like, this woman keep barging in the middle of the night and mother isn't thinking this as peculiar, peculiar at all. And she, she's, <laughs> I bet she is the tramp. <laughs> yeah, they were talking about this tramp wandering around and stealing laundry from people. Yep. This lady stole my antique sheets. <laughs> And and she is the one who stole the sheets. <laughs> yeah, we do find out. Yeah, yeah they yeah. they they were stealing the sheets. Yep, they stole the sheets. <laughs> yeah. They needed them. They needed them for clothing. <laughs> no, they didn't need yeah, them for clothing. Well they were gonna dress them. They were gonna use them oh, to, that's as ghosts. Right. They were gonna pretend to be ghosts to scare people away from the haunted house. <laughs> but then they left the house, so they didn't need the sheets. Yep. So why were the sheets in the bastori? Yeah. Hey. 
I want to say here, that, I mean, like, again, they're making these quick sandwiches in the middle of the night, you know, and Meg's over here cutting up celery to mix it in with the tuna. I, that's good. I don't know if you ever had celery mixed in with tuna. It, it's really good. It gives it a crunch, you know, anyways. But wow, man, you guys are going all out on these sandwiches in the middle of the night. I've never woke up in the middle of the night, but like, you know, I'm going to make myself a gourmet sandwich. I would say, I mean, it's not gourmet, like go to a restaurant, get, but I, if you're chopping up celery to put in your tuna fish to make a sandwich out of it, you're going to gourmet route at that point. <laughs> and she brought out some sweet pickles too, which are gross. I don't know. Ugh. That's liver and sweet or bread and butter pickles. Disgusting. I even like beets, but I will not eat sweet pickles. Now, Meg doesn't trust her, but she's she's going on this, you know, and uh, Mrs. What's it says to Charles, you know, tell her my intentions are good are good. And Charles says the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And this is one of those things where, you know, Mrs. What's it's like, ooh, this kid, this kid, he's something special. Now to eat, I got to get these boots off. Who's going to help? You know, and it's funny because she wanted the boots off, but it wasn't because her feet were wet. It was because there was water inside the boots. She actually didn't mind the wet feet so much because she doesn't take her socks off to dry them or anything. But yeah, apparently when they did get trying to get these boots off, it was quite comical because she ended up on the floor. (laughs) She ended up on the floor. Uh, Mrs. Murray was helping to pull them off and everything. I like this. If you have some liniment... I'll put it on my dignity because she was hurt, but it's just her pride. Yep. Even when she fell, though, that was when she was like, okay, pull it. Pull off the boot while I'm laying here on the ground. (laughs) Yep. While I'm already down. (laughs) But she does decide after, you know, eating food and having somebody pull her her shoes off for her that it's time to go home. She just wanted the boot dumped out. Now she's good to go. (laughs) And after all of this... uh this fanciful stuff of a uh, fun little business that has nothing to do with the story can be totally cut out. She just casually drops uh, something about a tesseract. Yep. Which stone is that again? The tesseract I know it's, was the I know it's, space stone. Yeah, the space stone. So yeah. it wound up being the space stone, yep. yep. Yeah. Which actually fits with this because that's what the tesseract does in this yeah. book as well. <laughs> I wonder... Ooh, I wonder if that's related. <laughs> it very well could be. It could mm. be that that somebody read this book, you know. Yeah, the Tesseract from the MCU related oh, to man. the uh, the whole space travel, uh, traveling through time and space kind of thing. And that's chapter one, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Chapter one. <laughs> chapter Ooh, one. Let's go. <laughs> All right. right. Now time to oh, burn this- through the rest of the book real quick. <laughs> <laughs> So basically from here, they they end up uh, asking about this Tesseract. Mom is telling them it's just something that your dad and I were talking about. We were working on. It's not a big deal. It wasn't going to work. And they're still on it. They're like, I mean, it's got to be something. Yeah, this is a this is a big deal to uh, to Mrs. Murray, because like this is the stuff that she and her husband had been working on. This is their their focus of uh of their work, and this is probably what uh, this is the the kind of thing that got Mister Murray uh disappeared from their lives. Yep, absolutely. When Meg is at school that next day, her her principal after she gets in trouble in class, her her principal basically says, you know, your dad's not coming back. Face it. 
and that wasn't uh she didn't like that she started yelling at the principal about that like and then he's telling her you know do you enjoy being the most belligerent uncooperative child in school and she just ignores it which i would too (laughs) fuck that guy what a prick for real now when meg got home that night uh her mom was was cooking stew on a Bunsen burner in the lab, which is probably not a good way to make food. I mean, it's just an open flame. She's making stew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if she's got all kinds of other chemicals in there. I mean, the the Bunsen burner is just the flame. She could just have a pot for cooking over the over the burner. It's fine. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I just thought of it as like, it's still in the room. It's just off to the side. So it's not around any of the actual science equipment. Right. I mean, cooking is a science. It's just the chemicals you use are... <laughs> It is delicious. <laughs> usually, it's ke- you make a chemical change to the to the food by adding heat biological to it. in nature. Yeah, yep. you make a a solution of uh, of broth and vegetables and and chunks of meat. Well, most people make a solution of of vegetables and broth. You guys make like just meat and cheese or something. Sweet pickles. Sweet pickles. Ugh. <laughs> Gross. We do find out that Charles Wallace can not read minds, but he can, it's something like that. He kind of can read people's feelings. He can sort feelings. of read minds. He's, he's good at reading, especially his sister. He He's particularly good at reading his sister. But he can't read books yet, as smart as he is. But he can't read books. He's got a, a vocabulary larger than mine and still can't read. This kid is something else. And this is where we meet our third protagonist, uh, Kelvin O'Keefe. He is an older boy from the school. He's a little bit older than Meg. He's super popular. He plays sports. He's a sportser. He does do the sport thing. Yep. But it's just because he's tall. Yes. I mean, it's all it takes to be good at basketball. It's just being tall. Right. Well, he says just because he's tall, too. Yep. I mean, it has to be because he has orange hair. So. Yeah, he's a ginger. (laughs) Right. Orange, like a basketball. They, Isn't Meg a ginger too? No, she's got brown hair. Like, she, but they all have blue hair? eyes. Like everybody in this book has blue eyes, as if it's the most common color of eye. I say that I'm surrounded by people with blue eyes. Everyone, I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> in your family, my yes. family, everybody else has blue eyes. Well, yeah, everybody, my kids and Shyla's whole side of the family all have blue eyes. <laughs> kind of a dick right off the bat. Yeah, he is. Aren't you supposed? Aren't you the one supposed to be a moron? It's like, seriously, dude? Right? You can't even read, you little prick. No, that's he's talking about Charles. Like, oh, yeah, no, yeah. That's that's O'Ke- That's Kelvin talking about Charles Wallace, calling him a moron. I stand by my statement. Kelvin can't read either. <laughs> <laughs> now, Kelvin just says, I was told you couldn't talk. To which Charles Wallace replies, thinking I'm a moron gives people something to feel smug about. Why should I disillusion them? He doesn't want to disappoint people by revealing that he's actually smarter than them. Right. Which is, I guess, a uh, kindness. I don't want to show up (laughs) the kids in school. Right. Make them feel like dummies. I'll just wait until I'm older, and then I will control their entire lives by being the smartest of them all. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I always thought when, like, I would go up a grade for for English class. (laughs) I'm going to go on and do great things. I'm a I'm a gifted student. I pretty regularly in high school set the curve on the English tests 
And then I would get talking to after class because they'd be like, Harold, you know, you would you would be passing this class with an A if you would just do your your goddamn homework, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So stop giving me homework. Stop giving me homework and I'll have it passed. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing how we never thought to say that. Yeah, right. (laughs) Like that should be the uh, the response. My mom lost it on me one time because they in like seventh grade, um, one of the teachers had passed my locker and noticed that it was like full of papers. And so they called my mom in and they all met me at my locker and they were like, we found out where all his homework is. And they opened up my locker and they started going through it. And like 80% of the homework assignments were done in my locker. I just never turned them in. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. You didn't want to give them the satisfaction. I, I forgot about them, most likely. I was too busy <laughs> worrying about hoping people would like me. I forgot about it. So, yeah, I, I passed seventh grade because they gave me late. Uh, credit on a ton of assignments that they found in my locker. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You didn't want people to dislike you for being smart? No, I don't know. I was just, I would, being a, I would do the getting homework, an do the homework, put it in my locker and forget about it. And then when I'd go to class, just forget about right, it. Well, and I do know that I would like go to class and be time to turn in the assignment and I wouldn't turn it in. And then I would be embarrassed about not turning it in. So I wouldn't like go grab it or bring it in and turn it in late. And I would just let mm-hmm. it go. I just let it go. So, yeah, that was how I passed seventh grade. (laughs) It's a pile of finished homework (laughs) in my locker. (laughs) Very interesting. So Kelvin and Charles are talking and Kelvin says, "Uh, did anybody like tell you to come down here? Why are you guys here? And he's like, sometimes I get feelings about things. You might call it compulsion. Do you know what compulsion means? And then, of course, uh, Charles Wallace, constraint, obligation, because one is compelled. Not a very good definition, but it's the concise Oxford. How do you know that if you can't read? Oh, right. Because he knows things. He's Charles Wallace, bro. <laughs> is yeah, he the no. one? <laughs> he is. Is he, he Neo? <laughs> he is the one. I think we should read on in the uh, in the series to see just what Charles Wallace is because there's something to him. Yeah, there is something to him. And I almost, do they even follow him? I don't remember when they talked in the afterward, they mainly talk about Meg and Kelvin. Mm-hmm. I, I would imagine that uh, Charles Wallace goes on and or he's part of the, uh, the continuing story. The WCU. The WCU, the Wrinkle Cinematic Universe. Yep. I don't think there's going to be one of those guys. The movie didn't do very good. No, it had Oprah. <laughs> it even had Oprah. Even had Oprah. Oprah. We'll have to watch that and talk about it in the uh, in this the chapter recap. Yeah, I I actually want to watch that because I'd like to see how mm-hmm. how they translate it to film. Yeah, I want to watch it too. Yeah, let's all let's all watch it. Well, Calvin's no no ordinary kid either, really. I mean, he he gets compulsions. He gets led. Uh, some he's you know he's fairly smart. Yeah, he's fairly smart as well. He's not smart on the level of. Meg or Charles Wallace, but he's definitely intelligent. And he's got a certain courage to him as well. And he's dreamy and just want to hold his hand and be comforted. Yeah, for sure. That's how I felt. I was like, I wish I could hold his hand. <laughs> I don't know why, but Charles Wallace and food, something has to do with it. Because he's like, hey, uh, you need to come back to our house and have dinner. Just out of nowhere. 
Well, I mean, most people do eat every day, three times a day. Yeah, but why is he inviting this kid who he literally just met over for dinner? Because he wants to be become better friends, so he invites him over for dinner. I mean, this is the late 50s book published in the early 60s. People actually did shit like this. Right. There's no getting to know people over social media. No. I mean, I don't know anybody on social media, but... Oh, Jesus. Yes, yeah. you do. You <laughs> have so Facebook, cool. Josh. God no. damn it, man. <laughs> I'm not cool. Oh, oh man, you're cool. <laughs> I'm lame because I do no. not interact see, with people. <laughs> see, I have Facebook and I don't interact with people. I have it so that I can help spread our podcast, which is what you should be doing as well. You don't have to look at it just because you have it. Because you still exist on Facebook because I can tag you. It's <laughs> true. It's mainly for Messenger. But so they go over and uh, they're going to have dinner. Well, no. First, they, they meet uh, the other two ladies, the other two W's. Yeah, they get to the uh, the house where they're all staying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But he was invited. They invite him over, but yeah, yeah, they're they're still going to that house. And uh one of them, who is this? Is it Mrs. Witch? Mrs. Who? Mrs. Who likes to say what she's going to say in another language first, French, German, and then she says what it is. Yeah, through a well known quote by yeah. like, a philosopher or a, a work of uh, of literature. If it's a uh, if it's a famous quote, she always delivers it in the uh, the language it was written in first, and then provides a English translation for all of us, which is wonderful <laughs> for all of us who don't speak French or Latin or German or whatever. Justite soror fides, Latin again, of course. Faith is the sister of justice. We did skip over a part I wanted to talk about a little bit, and that's when Kelvin and Charles Wallace are discussing how they're different than everyone else. Well, that's all filler. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, so Charles says she she'll be delighted. They had invited him over, and Kelvin's like, "Well, what what will your mom say?" And Charles said she'd be delighted. Mother, mother's all right. She's not one of us, but she's all right. And then Kelvin asks, "What about Meg?" And then Charles says, "Meg has it tough. She's not really one or the other." And then Meg's like, "What do you mean one of us? What do you mean I'm not one thing or the other?" And then they just switch the subject. Not now, Meg. <laughs> Charles Wallace says, I'll tell you about it later. Yeah. That happens a lot to Meg. A lot of things are, <laughs> oh, we'll tell you later. Her mom, oh, I'll tell you about the Tesseract later. Charles, Charles, oh, I'll tell you about yourself later. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Hey, Don't Meg. worry about it. Don't, <laughs> Don't worry you about worry it. your pretty little head, Meg. <laughs> it's like in the room. Don't worry about it. Meg, you're a girl. <laughs> girls that's what i was getting to <laughs> yeah yeah girls don't get important backstory <laughs> even though you're the main character we're not gonna tell you about yourself nope you gotta figure it out well and i mean it kind of does play into as this goes on uh her having to figure out herself in order to to accomplish oh, yes. i mean there is something mm-hmm. important about you know, someone could tell you who you are. And I think that uh, a lot of people fall into that. People go to psychics, people follow astrology, all these things that are going to tell you who you are. But uh, are you those things or do you try to fit into that box because you believe those things are true? So if they want Meg to discover herself in order to win at the end of the day, then it's important mm. that they don't put her in a box by telling her who she is. 
That's very profound. Very true. Ah, very nice. Very profound. <laughs> Fucking right I it like was. That. God damn. <laughs> Ooh, that was some insightful shit. You got to cut that out. It's too smart. <laughs> <laughs> too smart for these people. Oh. <laughs> edit out. We're too immature for literary scholars. We got to <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> Sounded a bit too much like just one of them a- literary scholars. <laughs> My f- just cut it out and put out a sound of farting over top of it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, we'll leave it in, but we'll drown it out with farts. Right. Yeah. My secondary focus in criminal justice is psychology, guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> With a minor in astrology. Uh, astrology's, <laughs> astrology's cool because of the signs. Like, I'm a Scorpio. That's real cool, you know? And, like, if you want to fit into the box of that. That's such a Scorpio thing to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to fit into the box of what it says, I'm like, oh, yeah, that totally describes me. But they've done studies where they switched all the descriptions around. Okay, like Taurus was given Aries description and then they gave it to the Taurus and they're like, that is totally me. You know, it's like me. Oh, my God. You nailed it. Yep. So it's it really just kind of ends up being a all of us have a lot of these tendencies. We don't even realize it. So they mm-hmm. end up meeting Mrs. Witch after this as no. they're walking through the forest. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait. That's the name of the First chapter. First they meet up with, yeah. <laughs> chapter three. Chapter Our three. Our in. Yeah. And we're at chapter three, Chapter guys. three. Though I did like how Kelvin ended the chapter. Lead on, moron. Kelvin cried gaily. I've never even seen your house, and I have the funniest feeling that for the first time in my life, I'm going home. That would be an odd feeling. It would be weird if, like, I was, if I had a new friend and they're like, I feel like I'm going home. I'd be like, I don't know if we should bring this kid over because <laughs> I don't want him to live at our house just because we were nice to him. <laughs> and mom, she seems to be cool with just about anything. Yeah. It'd be weird if someone just, you know, came to your house and just stayed there for, you know, weeks and then they become your roommate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she doesn't want them to tell Sandy and Dennis that she's uh, cooking the stew in the lab because they get suspicious that chemicals might get into the meat. And they uh, they ask if there's enough food for Calvin and Miss Murray's like, of course there is. Absolutely. It's thick. It's a thick (laughs) stew. This is some thick stew. Which is the best kind of stew. I, I, you know, you don't want a soupy stew. You are the fan of the chunky, chunky soup. (laughs) Absolutely. My favorite chunky soup is New England clam chowder. That one is delicious. Chowder. Chowder. Eat your chowder. Chowder. <laughs> Say chowder. <laughs> chowder. <laughs> oh, that voice. That voice right there. It's coming out in the next CYOA. I'm going to give it to the most off character. We uh, have to find that unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) Say chowder. (laughs) Say chowder, unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) Chowder. I see chunky soup. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Beef and barley. <laughs> so this is why we're at an hour and 11 right now. Right? It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for fun. Because it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> it's it is fun. fun. It's fun. It's, it's fine. It's fun. It's, it's actually fine. It's great. It's great. Super great. So, uh... 
he asks if he can use the phone so he can call his mom. And uh, he actually ends up telling Meg, like, I don't even know why I call my mom. Uh, because she doesn't care that I'm not coming home. She wouldn't care one way or the other. And you end up learning that basically his house is just terrible. His parents don't care. He's it, he does have some siblings, correct? And they he's one of eleven. He's one of eleven, right? And his, I think he said he's the third oldest out of eleven kids. Yep. And his mom could give two shits if he shows up back at home or not. And uh, yeah, like she doesn't even take care of herself. She's got all her uh, her upper teeth missing, and uh, her his dad got got her a plate to wear, but she won't wear yep, it. Yep, she doesn't even put he it. Doesn't hit. even comb her hair most days. But he's holding that up as kind of a. Uh, a, a contrast of uh, beauty, like praising Mrs. Murray for, for being beautiful while his mother don't give a shit because she's raising 11 kids Yep, and, <laughs> and won't take care of herself. I mean, I would probably not be giving a shit if I had 11 kids too. <clears throat> I'd be like, jeez, man. <laughs> right. But it's not like, oh, my mom's so so strong and dedicated and, and 11, taking care of 11 kids. Wow, how'd she do it? It's like, nope. She's uh, taking care of 11 kids and won't even put her teeth in doesn't doesn't brush her hair <laughs> your mom's better she's gorgeous see now we find out here that meg actually is smart because kelvin's having trouble with his math homework and mrs murray suggests that he have meg help him and he's like yeah hey, yeah i'm several grades above her yada yada so he shows her the homework and she gets the answer real quick and it turns out that one of the reasons Meg is behind is because in the math class, they want her to do it their way, but she doesn't see why she should have to do it their way when she can get it her way. She can get the answer her way, no problem, which I never understood that myself. It's it's a problem with standardization. They want, you need to do it like this. But if you can do something exactly, get the exact answer everyone else can do, but you take a different route to get there, it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. that you should be knocked for doing that. I get that they don't want you to cheat, but I mean, especially in the 50s, but even when we were in school, it wasn't like we had our smartphone there and we're asking it for the answer. Mm-hmm. So why the fuck do I need to show the work? Sons of bitches. You'll find it in my locker. <laughs> That's where you'll find it. You'll find, <laughs> you'll find it in, it in, my, in my locker. locker. That's how I feel. I already about your did it. I, already... I just forgot to bring it in. Yep. And I'm too embarrassed to go get it. I remember growing up, and the math teachers were always like, "You, you what are you gonna do? Walk around with a with calculator in your pocket? Yep. God damn it, I do. Every fucking day, I have a goddamn calculator. <laughs> I have a mini computer in my pocket at all times. So yeah." Right. I think I can figure it out. No, you I'll know what? To, I can go to Bing and ask it how to do addition and, and subtraction. <laughs> no, I won't have a calculator. I'll have all the knowledge in human history at the palm of my hand. That's what I'll have. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? We have that. And so many people either don't use it or use it incorrectly. <laughs> I was going to say, what do I use it for? Eh, looking at stupid videos and stupid pictures. I mean, I use mine Dogs. for I use mine for a lot of research. I actually now I use my laptop a lot more. But prior to starting back into school, I used my phone. I someone would say something, and I'd be like, "Well, hold on a second. Let me just, you know, yeah. <laughs> Let me prove you wrong. Let me prove. Facts. Yeah, that was mainly what it was. <laughs> I'd be like, that doesn't sound right. I don't think that's right. I'm going to research it and prove you wrong right now in real time. <laughs> Bing app. Yeah. Bing it. <laughs> Bing it. 
So, yeah. And I'm I'm not a math person, so when she's trying to explain this, I still don't get it. Oh, no. I didn't get it at all, either. She's like, all you have to remember is that every ordinary fraction can be converted into an infinite periodic decimal fraction. See? So, three-sevenths is 0.428571. How do you know that? Do you just know that? <laughs> or I guess some people just do. You just got to remember that you can change a fraction into an even harder number to figure out. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, I get you can turn fractions into decimals. Like, right. Obviously, easy ones, but like that, I was like, I, I just don't know how they came, how she came up with that. Because her- Unless it's memorized. It's, it's because this family is odd and they're all kind of genius. You know, I mean, that's- I think Kelvin puts it the best. This is the craziest family. Yeah, right? <laughs> but yeah, uh, Miss Murray basically says, yeah, she sets up a mental block for herself. Uh, and and he actually is. Are there any more morons like Megan Charles around here? If so, I should meet more of them. And, you know, uh, mom says that Meg's handwriting isn't legible. So that's another one of her problems. Plus, Kelvin asks her other questions that don't have to do with physics or math and yeah she's she gets them wrong yeah yep. like what's the capital of new york new york city no it's albany <laughs> yeah she gets, i just happen to know that <laughs> she's good at math but that's that also stands to another thing that i think about uh the way we do school here in america education in general i mean don't get me wrong we should have a basic general knowledge but you should be looking at what a kid is excelling at greatly and focus their learning in that area because we have people that are all over the place that get upset or bored or irritated with school and give up when they were good at something, but they have to do the whole thing, you know, and I'm not saying they shouldn't have to do the whole thing, just maybe not like level 10 of the whole thing all the way through to be able to make it. Right. So you're saying like at, at an early age, we like find out, find where all these kids are, their aptitudes are, and we, we kind of sort them into different types of schooling. Like we could have a big sorting ceremony. <laughs> Not, not like a, maybe have a hat. Not precisely like a, like that. A talking hat will <laughs> yeah. will we'll prescribe like this kid should go to an art school. This kid should go to an engineering heavy school. Right, right. Not precisely that because you also don't want to turn them away from something, but put more focus sure. into the things that they seem to be excelling at. And if they end up wanting mm-hmm. to do something different, they can always move towards that other thing. But just the way the way it's done doesn't make any sense. Never did. Has never made a lot of sense to me. Yeah, there's no one size fits all, one method fits all for educating children. But that that's the American way of everything though. They're like, that's the way it is. That's what you hear all the time we from people. Just want a simple solution. Everything is one size fits all. That's the way it is. No, it's it's not. <laughs> and you guys are brainwashed for thinking that. <laughs> we have a simple solution for doing doing this standardized for everybody yep. and there is no alternative yep. but what if we there is no alternative <laughs> there is no alternative we will always be one of the lowest in education in the developed world that's just how it is <laughs> that's too hard we're not doing it <laughs> we're not gonna do it it's too hard too many steps we'll make it easier <laughs> you think my taxes should be used to educate people and give health care no my taxes are for bombs to blow up countries that do that (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't have any kids. Why should I pay for other people's kids to get smart? Rabble, rabble, rabble. <laughs> rabble, rabble, rabble. Maga, maga, maga. <laughs> so, anyhow. Well, we just lost yeah. anybody on that level. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we ever had them, bro. Yeah, we didn't have them. Yeah, we never had them. This is a podcast about books. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, I guess it does require the ability to read and understand things. <laughs> okay, anyhow. <laughs> so, yeah, he asked her all these questions that have to do with other things. She she doesn't know any of them. Um, Including who wrote Boswell's Life of Johnson. Right. And I'm surprised she didn't say Boswell. Right. <laughs> she just says, oh, Calvin, I'm not any good at English. <laughs> <laughs> She's a, a math-centered student. I mean, she even goes and gets forks for the stew. So, I mean, she, you know, math might be the only thing she can do. <laughs> Kelvin ate five bowls of stew. Uh, that makes sense to me. He's though. a grown boy. Yeah, he's a teenage boy, man. I'll tell you what. He's a tall and, teenage boy. Yep. So, yeah. And three saucers of jello, a dozen cookies. Yep. Yeah, he put it down. <laughs> his, uh, his parents starved that kid. You know, I'm going to tell you guys right now that uh, we are definitely going to have to do another part for this book because as I'm looking down at the timer on the book, there's 200. Two hours and 54 minutes left if we were to just be reading the book. And we're in <laughs> chapter three right now. <laughs> so yeah. mm-hmm. looks like Wrinkle in Time is going to be a partner, which is fine with us. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think we, we can. Uh, we, it turns out we have a lot to say about the, the minutia that happens in this book. Yeah. Yeah. We'll figure. We didn't think we would. But yeah. So, th- so they eat. Uh, Kelvin really puts down the food. And all of a sudden. Meg kind of noticed that her mom is upset uh, when she had gone to do her homework. She couldn't concentrate. So she, oh, she says, mother, are you upset? And Mrs. Murray was kind of just like, you know, yeah, I am. I'm fucking pissed, which was odd because it's a children's book. <laughs> but she asks her why. And uh, Mrs. Murray kind of like looks at her hands a little bit and she's looking at the gold band on her left hand. And she's like, you know, I'm a young woman really you know i'm not old and it's it's kind of hard because you know she's i'm still in love with your dad and i miss him terribly and you know she kind of thinks that everything that's going on has something to do with with him and she can't explain why but she knows it's like the only explanation somehow and then she also explains to meg that just because we don't understand something doesn't mean an explanation doesn't exist and she calls out that Charles Wallace is different. She can't explain why he's different either. She just knows that he is. And something has to do with him. And her uh, her father felt the same way. So, which is strange because, like we said, he has been gone since Charles Wallace was a baby. But he still felt like there was something different about Charles. I mean, it sets up uh, where Charles Wallace fits in with all this and... What's explainable, what's not explainable, and... And Kelvin had gone up to read a book, and he read Genesis to... to uh, Charles Wallace. <laughs> Charles Wallace, yeah. He read a book to Charles Wallace, yeah, and it was Genesis, which is probably where the non-religious came in and said, oh, rabble, rabble, rabble. <laughs> <laughs> As if it wasn't a completely normal thing back then, or even today sometimes. <laughs> uh, at that point, they'd be like... 
oh, that's good. He wants to read the Bible yeah. as long as he does nothing else. Yeah. As long as there's no other power in the universe but God. Yeah. <laughs> no Mrs. What's it? I- witches or who's? <laughs> and definitely no eyeless furry monsters with tentacles. No. <laughs> <laughs> that make you feel so good when they touch you. <laughs> So Mrs. Murray goes off to work on her uh, her stuff in the lab. She doesn't want to be too far behind her husband when he comes back. And uh, Kelvin ends up asking her to go for a walk. And so they, they end up heading out for a walk. But first, Meg asks her mom about the Tesseract. Oh, yeah, yeah. But not right now. I can't tell you now. <laughs> yeah. Go, Don't for, worry go for a walk it. with I'll this tell you boy. Later. I'll tell you later. Don't you worry your pretty little head about it. Go be alone with this older boy at night. Yes, outside. that you just go, met. Go for a walk with how old is Meg, by the way? Do they t- do they say how old Meg is? Hmm. No, I don't think they so. say that he that Kelvin is a few grades ahead of her, but they don't say her age. No, but I'm thinking she's either late elementary or middle school. About 13 years old is uh, the estimate on the wiki. Okay. okay. Like, yeah, middle, it seems like middle school age, I would say. Because they press this relationship hard in this book, in my opinion. Right. I'm like, okay, so she's 13 and this boy is in 11th grade. Yeah, but dude, people they, were getting married and having kids at 18 years old back then. Yeah, but that didn't have to do with dating. Would you let- Kevin is 14 <laughs> and he's uh, been, uh, he's up a couple uh Oh, because he's smart. That's right. Yeah, okay. Because he's smart, yeah. That makes sense. Okay, now it doesn't, and now it's not as creepy. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't read that right. I'm sorry. Again. My apologies. Again, in the 1950s, if an 18-year-old was dating a 14-year-old, it would not have raised any red flags. Shit, they could get married. Yeah. Like they, <laughs> and I'm guessing a lot of uh, kids that young were getting married back then. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, yes, we know now. We know better now. And we're like, whoa, don't do that. But, yeah, not even 100 years ago, people were, that was a normal thing, you know, so. Right. This is post-World War Two baby boom. Yeah, yep. Like, got the, like, a lot of people died in the war. Let's get to fucking. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Re replenish the population, boys and girls. So settle down. Here's here's a here, here's a house for free. Yep. <laughs> it's a good th- it's a good thing we if you're changed. white. If you're white. Yeah, if you're white. Yeah. <laughs> yes, if you're white. <laughs> because it's also the fifties. The twins also they mention uh, the twins have a a vegetable garden that they grow outside. Is an odd family. <laughs> <laughs> So Kelvin and Meg are on this walk, and they're talking about Meg's mom and dad, and she says he's a physicist. Sure, we all know that, and he's supposed to have left your mother and gone off with some dame, so Meg got super upset about about that. Oh, yeah, she did. But he was like, hold it, kid. I didn't say anything you hadn't heard already, did I? Hold it, kid. She's a year younger than you, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, he's like, anybody that saw your mom knows that he wouldn't do that. It's like, okay. (laughs) Overemphasizing the fact that she is a looker of some sort. Yeah, right. They describe her throughout the book, but. Your mom's hot. Yeah. The technical term for uh, Megan Charles Hall's mom is MILF. (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. MILF. Mrs. MILF. Sorry, Dr. MILF. That's science. Yeah, that's just science. 
Megan's mom has got it going on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and, uh, you know, when he said that, uh, Kellen had grabbed her by the wrist and she said no. And she started to pull away and she's like, let me go. And he's like, come on, kid, calm down. You know it isn't true. I know it isn't true. Yeah, your mom's hot. (laughs) Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. Maybe not even next year. <laughs> we'll have a hell of beans. Yeah. <laughs> That's how that goes, right? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I only know that one part. <laughs> that literally I was say, I've never doesn't. actually watched Casablanca. I've never seen it either. I've only seen that scene. And, and actually, to tell you the truth, Nick. I believe that the only part of Casablanca I know is actually the parodied version done in uh, in Top Secret with Val Kilmer. <laughs> <laughs> See, my my first go-to on Casablanca is the scene in Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Okay. <laughs> where Michelangelo is wearing the, the Humphrey Bogart hat. And they're all, like, individually saying goodbye to April so they can look for a new home in the sewers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Mikey goes, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. <laughs> well, the lives of two people don't mount a hill of beans in this world, Nilsa. That's why you're getting on that plane. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah, Calvin O'Keefe is Humphrey Bogart now for some reason. And Calvin is never really, I mean, like, he he calls them morons and then he tells her, look, you dope. <laughs> Shakes her gently. <laughs> I just want to get things straight. I always read that as as more playful or yeah, right. like ironic, an ironic use of the of the words. Because that's a reputation, is that like Charles Wallace is a moron. Yep. It's his reputation, it's but not true not true to life, and Calvin knows that. Yep. <laughs> and like Meg is uh not very bright either and is a troubled child at school and he's getting to know her as as something that is not that either, so So, yeah, they talk about Meg's dad a lot, learning about what he was doing, trying to find out, but it was all, a lot of it was classified. And then they bring up Top Secret. (laughs) Top Secret, you mean? That's right. You mean that movie? That movie with Val Kilmer? That movie with Val Kilmer? That almost no one knows about? (laughs) But it's still amazing? It's one of the most amazing parody movies of all time. (laughs) Right up there with Naked Gun. But that's not important right now. That's not important. Yeah, but that's not important right now. <laughs> so, yeah, he uh, we're, we're finding out about his dad, what he did, you know, uh, or her dad and wh- where where he went. Um, her mom writes letters to him every day, even though she never gets one back. And the people have told them, like the government have told them, you know, everything's fine. He's on a mission. He can't talk. It's top secret. Stay away. And then he suggests that maybe they don't know where he is. This is nice and something that wouldn't happen these days because nobody carries a snot rag. She says, Meg says, I wish I were a different person. I hate myself. And Kelvin took her glasses off and wiped her tears with a handkerchief he pulled from his pocket that he probably used to blow his nose earlier that day. <laughs> <laughs> or wipe the stew and jello and cookies off his face. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then she apologizes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. And then he's like, oh, you moron. You are a moron. Oh, Meg, you are a moron. Tells her she's the nicest thing that's happened to him in a long time. But he uh, he tells her her eyes are beautiful. And he says, don't make don't take your glasses off. I don't want anybody else to see it. Because that's not possessive and controlling at all. It's not. 
It's just normal. <laughs> you know, you got dream boat eyes. I don't think it's meant to be that. I think it's, you know, I don't think he would actually get upset if she took it off, but it's a compliment to that. I mean, a woman was writing it. I get that maybe that kind of compliment wouldn't come across the same today, but at that time, hmm. <laughs> the myriad of normal little compliments that people make to somebody, especially when they're first dating or getting to know them or anything like that. In just about any situation, if it were a bunch of people sitting around listening to you talk somebody talk to somebody and describe how beautiful or handsome they were to you, right? I mm-hmm. think it would be cringe to anybody that wasn't those two people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. But then, out of the shadows, what happens? What came out? A ninja. Not ninjas. No, no, no not ninjas. We don't have ninja ninjas. Unicorns. We don't have ninjas on this program. <laughs> <laughs> None that you can see anyway, because they're ninjas. Right. Ah. You also can't see ninjas because this is a podcast. But no, it's Charles Wallace. Charles Wallace stepped into the moonlight. I wasn't spying on you. He said quickly, I'm not a creeper. Yeah. No. yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait a second. Wait a second. I feel like him saying that he wasn't spying on them means he was for sure spying on them. <laughs> I was definitely not spying on you because there was definitely nothing to see. You were definitely not putting the moves on my sister. Right. But he lets them know that they're going. They, they've got to go. What is it with these children calling each other children, kids? Like, and I hate to break things up, but this is it, kids. This is it. It's like you're five. <laughs> <laughs> they are intent on going to find father. That is where they are going to be going. And Mrs. well, they don't know that exactly. Well, but they yeah, they think, think they, they got think a good feeling. Yeah, they think that's what's going on. And Mrs. Who shows up. She's just standing there next to Charles. Uh, she kind of just popped in out of nowhere, which threw Meg off. And then Mrs. What's-It came scrambling over a wall like the tramp she is. <laughs> and she says, and they say, Margaret, you got to come with me. There's no time. <laughs> we have to go back. Back through a wrinkle in time. And that's where we get the book. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Roll credits. I mean, basically. I do like the quote that that, uh, is used in this one. Un asno vejo sabe mas que un porto e Perez. An old ass knows more than a young colt. (laughs) (laughs) Old ass. (laughs) And this is when we find out about the ages. Just because you're a paltry few billion years. Right. Yeah. This is what's starting. Mrs. Mrs. Witch here. No, that's Mrs. Who. Mrs. Oh, Witches yep. later on. Right. Literally right Mrs. after that. Yep. And then. Oh, okay. So I listened to the audiobook of this as well. Was your. Did she draw out the words like this? Like. Yeah. Oh. Right. Oh. Right. Girls. This yeah. is no time for bickering. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm glad I have this on point one four because I cannot, I would not be able to handle it was, that. It is a little bit hard to understand. Yeah, but yeah, I kind of, I kind of interpreted it as it, like it reads like there's some phasing and reverberating going in and out uh, when when she's talking, but it just kind of hangs on uh, certain letters. 
in in every word. Well, here's mm-hmm. what, here's what I think. I think that we've met Mrs. Witch, and she basically she shows up, but she doesn't fully materialize. So these beings are clearly some kind of cosmic force, right? And they are going to get ready to go. And she, one of the reasons she doesn't want to materialize is because it uses a lot of energy to do that. And there's a lot to that needs to get done. So they need to have as much of their power as they can right now. This is going to be the start of their journey. And I think this would be a perfect spot to say that the next episode will uh, feature the beginning of the the actual journey now that we've built the characters they're, they're the characters are there and what they've gone through mm-hmm. so we have set the uh, set the scene set the uh, the launch pad and we're about to take off on a wild multi-dimensional adventure and wild it is it's I mean it is fun I going forward from here for sure. And there's definitely a lot more to say about uh, about this writing, about the story, about the places and the creatures that uh, they come into contact with, and the uh, the true identities of the Mrs. W's. Yep, furry yep. tentacles. We're gonna get some furry tentacles. Maybe some lava monsters. Yep, we don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe some good old fashioned Cold War disembodied brains. Yep. Possibly some ninjas, maybe a unicorn or two. <laughs> Krang, man. It's going to be Krang. Krang. <laughs> Damn you, turtles. <laughs> man, it wasn't me. That was Krang. <laughs> <laughs> Symbolism and philosophy galore in our next installment. All right. So, yeah, that is going to do it for part one of A Wrinkle in Time on Realliterated. And I said I would do this for some guys that I met this week. So uh, shout out to Django for uh, first off getting your second shot. Good job there, bud. Getting the vaccine and for subscribing Django. to us with, without even without any. You're just like, hey, I'm subscribed. I look forward to listening. So, hey, thanks for for listening. And uh, shout out to Nico. Not only is he going to listen to us, he sold me his old desk, which I got for a very good price. Nice. So thank you for that. And now I, my recording nook is almost Thanks complete. For the hookup. Yeah, I made myself a recording nook. I like it. So I really hope you guys enjoy my soothing voice. I recommend figuring out what's wrong in your life that you think my voice is soothing, but. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Harold, this is there have been at least three people I know, I know of that have said this. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've heard it myself. Somebody told me the same thing. <laughs> Looks like we got a piece of mail in the in the mailbox. Oh really? Yep. Excellent. This one is from Eric, and that's that's the subject. From Eric. It says, Dear comma. I got your email address from a reliable database, and after going through your profile, I decided to contact you. <laughs> I am a professional agent, and my prof- my principal, a former top Libyan politician, has asked me to look for an investment manager that could take available investment funds as a loan on a one-digit interest rate repayable in full after 10 years. Wow. Funds readily available are over $100 million. Your swift response is highly needed. Yours sincerely, Eric Tahar. Dude, we got to get back with this guy. Thanks for listening, Eric. Man, I'm just, it surprises you to find out, like, Libyan, you said? I mean, 
Yep, a former top Libyan politician. Former, Not just any Libyan politician. A former top. Yeah, dude. Our only f- podcast is going places. It is going places. Yeah. Weren't the Libyans the guys in Back to the Future, though? Oh, no. But they're yeah. the good guys, right? But they want to give us- They're the good guys. A- think i mean these guys want to give us a hundred million dollars or, or or at least there's a hundred million dollars for us to work with here hmm. do they need my bank account information uh, they just need a swift response a swift so response. this is our swift response to you eric yeah. Tahar. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to the podcast we'll take that hundred million dollars now yes <laughs> just uh put it in an envelope and send it our way yep you know how to reach us yeah unmarked bills <laughs> if possible yeah non-sequential preferably unmarked non-sequential bills <laughs> <laughs> so if you have something you want to uh to share with us or or give to us <laughs> or or just some plain old uh, verbal pats on the back. You can reach us on any of our socials. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, and Facebook. Or just come to hang out, discuss the books and whatnot. Uh, enjoy the the crappy post on there. And uh, yeah, we we'll, we look forward to engaging with uh, with all of y'all. And if you happen to have a hundred million dollars, uh, we'll actually mention you in the next episode, just like Eric Tahar. Oh yeah, you'll you will get. Uh, big props as our as our patrons but anyways like we said that's gonna do it for uh for this episode next week we'll be back with part two of a wrinkle in time where we may or may not get through the the rest of the book we'll we'll have to see but uh yeah it should be a fun ride i am excited to take it yeah i'm i'm excited to discuss some more more topics and themes. Yeah, this was this actually book. a lot more uh, interesting than I thought it was going to be. When we started getting talking about it, uh, we had more thoughts than I thought we would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the story can be boiled down to like a few things happening, but that's when you don't look at the details closely, right? You know, and it's all about the details. It is all about the details. I suppose that's the theme of this episode. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe. The theme should be look at it, take it from a different perspective than you normally would. Right. I guess. Because now, like this week, I'm since we have more time, I'm going to reread it again and look at it from a different perspective and see if how I feel about it. Because, again, at, when I first sat down today, I'm like, oh, this was a slog to get through. And uh, <laughs> it reminded me when I was trying to read Tolkien and because they're that that. Oh. I did not enjoy reading Tolkien, but uh, <laughs> nobody so, enjoys reading Tolkien. People are there only, are people no, that no, enjoy no, 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 reading no. Tolkien. No, they only read Tolkien because everybody else is always going on and on about how good it is, and they want to fit in. That is what happened. One popular it's guy, like people who eat vegetables. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, people eat vegetables for health. Hell? People who talk about enjoying eating vegetables. Eh, people that only eat vegetables, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, you mean vegans? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> people who see pictures of vegetables on, on social media and they go, yum. I mean, I do that, but I also do that for meats and candies. <laughs> so, so, yeah, again, people that only eat vegetables, yes. There's something wrong with them. <laughs> <laughs> and I never uh, use the word yum. As long as they don't try to pester me about it, I'm okay with them. Uh, yeah, just whatever don't, makes them happy. Just don't push your religion on me and I'm good, you know. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm just joking. I wish I could. I wish I could. <laughs> I'm just joking. Push your religion on me all you want. I like to argue. No, 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 no. About food, about food. I wish I could make <laughs> myself like just eat like, I don't know, healthier food all the time. But so many other foods are so good. <laughs> <laughs> and so many foods that are not good for you are so good. I mean, is it worth living? Is it worth living to be like 95 years old or something if you never get to eat a steak? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, right. I don't know. Yeah. There are plenty of people who get old who, you know, only eat steak. Right. Well, I, <laughs> I figure it from my genetics. My grandpa lived to be like 84 years old and he ate really good food all his life. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm just going to keep eating the good food. <laughs> I'm assuming that my heart will tick, tick longer than <laughs> long enough. It'll take plenty. I just decided I'm going to live forever. So yes, I think I'm going to live forever too. I I recently thought of that myself. Like, why die? There's no point. Why die? That's boring. Yeah. Like I said, I want to upload no. my consciousness into the ether and be part of you know the mainframe. But I don't think we're going to be that far for me to be able to do that. So no, we'll you'll be, it'll be dot matrix by the time they'll be like, well, <laughs> think of it as like starting over again. <laughs> on that note, we've been ending the episode for about five minutes now. <laughs> yeah. I think this on after it's fine. Minutes. Yeah. Maybe a little bit. It's a good 20. You guys, we're at a good 20 of trying to end this show. Uh. <laughs> so Eric Tahar, thank you for listening to Realliterated, brought to you by the chocolate milk friends. <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoyed this show, please share it with your friends, your your Libyan politicians that you know in your in your personal network. Uh, give us subscriptions on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Podbean, Google Podcasts, or any podcast app that pulls from any of these sources. And we'd appreciate your reviews and ratings on whatever platform you use because it helps us grow. And we will see you next time for A Wrinkle in Time Part 2. Until then, give a shit, read some lit. Have a great whatever time of the day it is for you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.